for me, I, I love the word somatic of the body because I really feel that the body is this endless form of wisdom that we can tap into in these different ways to help us understand like the ways that we move through life and maybe even like the ways that our experiences have housed up in our body, whether that's been through a really impactful or traumatic experience and how can we then use dance or movement to help free ourselves from those impactful experiences that actually tend to wreak havoc on us more than they can free us. Greetings from Columbia, Maryland, where we are recording Razzle Dazzle Radio, a show brought to you by Howard Community College. I'm Carolyn Kellerman, and I'm here with my co-host, Judy Templeton. And today's show's theme is what we do for love. I'm so <laughs> excited to learn more about the dancers we have on our show today who put themselves on the line every single day. Go to it, Judy. Find out everything you can. Oh, you know I will, Carol. And thank you so much. And what a great theme, because everybody today is definitely in it for love. Absolutely. And I think there's no other way to go in this life but to do what you love and love what you do. And so we have two really great guests that have been doing this for a lifetime, and I imagine they're going to keep on going. So... Our first guest is Leela Dawson. Now, Leela Dawson by day, but Morales by night. She is playing a coveted role in my most favorite play in the entire world, Forevermore, A Chorus Line. And if you haven't seen it at Toby's, shame on you. You better get tickets. Best show ever. I just loved it. So, Leela, tell us a little bit about your background and how you found your way to Toby's for this amazing role you're playing. Well, I've done musical theater my whole life, but I really just did community theater. I grew up doing it with my dad and my uncle. So my first show was Sound of Music when I was seven, and I played Marta. And after that, I was just hooked on theater. So I just kept doing theater. And then actually, when I went to university over in England, I did one show over there, which was really cool. And then I just took some time. I'm, I'm a songwriter. So I really was focusing mainly on songwriting for the last few years. And then the pandemic hit and all of my band's shows were canceled. And I thought maybe I should just get back into musical theater the following year, the same theater that I had just done Sound of Music at when I was younger was doing Sound of Music again. So I said, you know, 20 years later, I'll audition. And I um, landed the role of Maria. And I was like, well, maybe I can do this again. So I got Maria. And then I did another another show after that I did Into the Woods. And then this is my third show back into musical theater. And it happens to be at Toby's in an absolute dream role. So I am very blessed and very grateful to be in this show and be Deanna Morales. You are blessed, but you're also talented. So that helped <laughs> you get into the role for sure. So to that point, your bio is about that you studied and were a graduate of Paul McCartney's Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. That's not too shabby of a place to go. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your training there. And you know, we want to know if you met Paul. Well, the training there was was really cool and it was very different. So it wasn't very classical. Um, it was a super kind of modern education. I went for songwriting and vocal performance. So we would have 
individual vocal sessions. And then we also had repertoire where we would all sing a song for each other and, and have critiques. And that was very cool. And then we learned how to manage and finance our own music, how to promote. And then we had to play a certain amount of shows every year for our grade, which was really cool. Our senior performance, or I guess you know, it was only a three-year college, but the, the senior performance was we had to do a 45-minute production in the Paul McCartney Auditorium. And it was streamed live with lights and a string quartet. And it was, it was super, super cool. Yeah, we just learned so much about performing and, and how to deal with people dropping out the day before and how you just have to keep going and the show must go on. So it was a really cool experience. And then Paul did a couple master classes, which was really cool. And then he gave us our diploma. So I got to meet him and uh, shake his hand and he kissed me on the cheek and it was really cool. Wow, what a memory. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. And you never washed your cheek, right? <laughs> not not for a couple of days, at least. <laughs> also, um, Carolyn, I know you're dying to ask her a question about this, uh, a coveted role, as I said, that she's playing. I want to sing it out. I've got to get this job. <laughs> yeah. Morales, the key figure in a chorus line. She's loved by the audience. And I wondered how you feel. Are they with you, cheering you on to get the job? And that they said, I wanted you most of all after the show. I don't get necessarily most of all, but I do feel like the audience is definitely on Morales' side because she she portrays what the audience is really wanting. Like she's the one defending you know, I, I want to do this forever. I want to keep dancing. I don't care that there's no promotion and no security. I just want to do it because I love it. And I think the audience really relates to that. So I do notice whenever there's a line where the director, Zach, will ask Deanna to come out on the line and then says, wait, never mind, back in line. And the audience thinks that she's getting cut. And there's always a couple sounds in the audience of people going, oh, no. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy that. And it feels really nice to have the audience on my side. I was there with you at the show I saw. I just, my heart was just right there. Come on, Morales. <laughs> so tell us, we want to know the scoop, what it's like there at Toby's behind the scenes. Okay, of course, Carolyn has been serving on the board there from the beginning of time. And I am a huge devoted fan of Toby's Dinner Theater and now Mark Minnick, who's just a genius. And we watched him take a linear show <laughs> and make it circular in the round. I was like, how are they going to do that? Anyway, so everybody is so tight. I mean, what is it? What's the ingredient that just sets you all above the rest? I would say the passion that we all have to make it the best that it can possibly be and really great teamwork and respect for the art. We all really love this show and constantly want to put on the best show we can possibly put on. So during rehearsals, you know, Mark was so brilliant when it came to just putting us in the aisles. So that way everyone had a different view of us. Our choreographer yes. Vince just was also brilliant in the way that he managed to stage this whole show where every section gets a view, which is so cool and so difficult for this kind of show. It was a lot, but I think everyone has just put so much work in, so much effort, and just, yeah, the respect that we have for the show and for each other makes it such a beautiful experience for all of us. I think this is just one of the coolest things I've ever done. I've said this forever. I've said this through each decade since the 70s when a chorus line was on Broadway, and I have to say I saw it the fifth week out, and <sighs> um, I think it was the Schuster Theater, but at any rate, 
it is timeless. It is truly a timeless show because all the themes are still present. So, I mean, I want to say the theme of what I did for love is how Toby's manages. And you already brought that point home that, you know, you all love what you do. And I think that there's also an ingredient of that you all love and respect each other. And without that, the show will, it'll be seen. It definitely will. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But okay, let's go to the point of what I did for love. So what is your future? What do you think about? And of course, Carolyn and I have been doing what we did for love. We've shifted it as we've gone on. So what? how does that feel for you when you look ahead and think maybe you might not be able to do the rigors of this show or what you would do? It is hard. I get emotional every night whenever I sing that song, thinking about the future and what could happen and what happens if you can't perform anymore or sing or dance. But there's a line in that scene that the character Bobby says, and he's like, you know, when when I can't dance and I can't move these legs, I'll just find something else. And that's kind of how I feel, just like taking it day by day and and just doing what I love until I possibly cannot do it anymore. <laughs> um, and I yeah, can assure you, once you do what you love, even though it seems like there'll be nothing more you could love than this moment, it's still out there because you've already put that to the universe. You're vibrating love and you will find that next place for sure. Yes, that is very true. No, I'm excited. I'm hoping to stay with Toby's <laughs> for a little bit longer. I, I'm going to be in their production of Jersey Boys. So we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, as long as I can just stay in theater and perform and just do what I love every day, it is the biggest blessing. Absolutely. What's your absolute favorite moment? as you're portraying Morales. My favorite moment is during the montage. I love singing nothing. That is one of my favorite songs to sing because <laughs> it's just so comical, but there's also some deep emotion in there as well. And you get to find out that Morales is really conflicted about the fact that she does not like this teacher, but also he's died and she didn't feel any emotion around that. And it's, it's just an interesting development for her character. And then I also love in the montage when we're singing, suddenly I'm 17, there's a lot I'm not certain of. We have some really great choreography then, um, and it's just so fun, and, and everyone's just in sync, and the audience always eats that up. So those are definitely two of my favorite moments. And I think the whole story with Carp, you know, plays out in all of our lives as somebody that we really didn't like, but still taught us a lot about ourselves. You know, I mean, it goes back to you always remember your best teacher and you always remember your worst and they both serve you. So he's, you know, that kind of strange dichotomy all in one. So is there any Stanislavski moments for you as you prepared to really enter into this moment to become somebody else? Were there moments in your own life that you connected to to be able to portray such a strong character? Well, definitely. My my mom is actually Puerto Rican from the Bronx. So oh, I really yeah. just channel a lot of my mom, um, which is cool. I mean, she this is her favorite show as well. So whenever mm -hmm. I was getting called back, she was just really crossing her fingers and just this is a coveted role for her. Um, so it was just really special that I was able to get this role. But yeah, I just channel a lot of my mom and, and her attitude and her sass and her accent. And then I just Honestly, a lot of Morales just feels like me. I, I feel like I put a lot of myself into this role and there's just a lot of honesty that I'm able to portray because it doesn't feel too far-fetched from my life. So I'm very grateful to be able to connect with the character so much. Well, you did. Just in case the audience out there doesn't understand dinner theater, but right now 
Leela is getting ready to become Morales, and she's going to probably, I don't know, do you have to wait tables at the matinee that you're doing today first? Not the matinee. I will at the evening show, but okay. but today I get to just warm up my body and my voice and go on. <laughs> okay, so she's leaving this body. She is going into another, and she is going to be doing two shows, one to include waiting on tables before she even performs. So, you know, you definitely got to be in shape to do dinner theater. And we are honored to have you, Leela. And I can't wait to see you in Jersey Boys. That's another favorite show of mine as well. And yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. You're making the world a happier place. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, all right. We're already ooh, taking a deep breath about meeting you, Leela. And now we get to meet Anne-Marie Gover. I wanted a dance club in Colombia for so long. I kind of wanted it a modern and a little jazz. And Anyway, somehow my dream came true because somebody told me, oh, there's a dance class at the Pearl. And then I read the write-up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like everything I want. And when I took it, it was exactly my dream come true. And it was even some of the older modern techniques that I remembered back in the day that you don't always get nowadays. So Anne-Marie brings an amazing blend of some of the old cherished techniques of dance and the new. You just want to be with her. You just want to move and let yourself go. She's just an amazing teacher. She has so many facets. And she, she's kind of the body, mind, spirit of dance is kind of what I would just say. So I'm so excited you're here, Anne-Marie. So tell us about yourself. Oh, my God, Judy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just like my <laughs> smile is like ear to ear while you're speaking. I'm so happy. Well, I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. I'm a Columbia, Maryland native. I'm one of yeah. seven. And it's a super artsy household. You know, my dad always had a guitar. Both of my grandparents were dancing at the Elks Lodge. You know, anytime there was live music, my uncle would have uh, a pig roast every summer and we'd have bluegrass music and everyone would be dancing wow. or joining in. You know, it was just such a lively childhood growing up. And uh, I feel like that's really influenced what feels important to me, what I want to share with the world. There's so much love that's embedded in that kind of environment. It's a conjuring. It sounds it's more like a play, not reality. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when I get to tell it. Well, so tell you know. us about your dance background, because it's definitely very comprehensive here and some of the different areas that you've studied and then also how you're putting it together to teach. So. So I grew up dancing from when I was eight. I started my first class at the Columbia Gym, just to throw some oh. names there. And it was through yep. Backstage Dance Studio. Mary Harper yes. was my first teacher. Diane Andrews, they are the two yep. run backstage. I was with them for a while. And then I started to branch out and I was interested in modern dance. And I found that at Project C Dance Studio. I was interested in jazz funk. I found that with JR at B-Funk. And uh, Turning Point with Elaine Seidman, who taught Chiquetti in ballet. And so I started to kind of sprinkle about. Meanwhile, I'm at River Hill High School with Jill Blizzard and Jen Blizzard. At the time, you know these names, yeah. yeah we uh, know. Jill Blizzard was getting ready to, to move away. And so I came in, I was around 16. I started teaching dance at Footprints at the Blizzard Dance Studio there. At and 16, so teaching, wow. Yeah, yeah. 
but no stranger to uh, to teaching dance. I'm the oldest of seven, so it kind of comes naturally. Teaching has always been there. And so I grew up doing competition dance and the classics, jazz, modern, lyrical, uh, tap. I really started to kind of, I did competition dance as well. And competing for dance or competing against others, I think just never really like sat well with me. I'd rather be awarded and seen for heart and for how I'm, I'm performing than having it graded in this way. So that felt really important to me when I went off to school at University of the Arts in Philly. I majored in modern dance and I was really interested oh, in how... That's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah, the Horton technique, all that Horton technique that sprinkles into the dance class for sure. Um, but it felt really important to me to connect into like, why we dance, why it's this like, you know, inherent desire for us to dance versus it being in a structured kind of setting where there's, you know, like we're competing against each other. I don't know. That never sat well with me. Like I dance to connect. I dance to relate. I dance for love. Exactly. I noticed in your bio that you teach a class called Step Touch. And I love the name of it, Step Touch. I'm doing it right as, as we're talking here. And <laughs> it says you uh, have a party with it. I just wonder, just can you tell us a little bit about that? Love that you asked this question. So when I was a kid, I was at a dance competition and Britney Spears' choreographer was there. His name was Brian Friedman. He was having a Q&A. And a, a kid, he was, you know, maybe six or seven, you know, he asked him, like, what's your favorite dance move? And he got up and he said, well, you can never go wrong with a step touch. And he, you know, did a <laughs> series of step touch. He turned it, he, you know, he pivoted it. He like double timed it. He slowed it down. And, and that it always stuck with me. And then COVID hit uh -huh. and we were living in this virtual world. And I thought, you know, like, what is what is a way where I can invite folks in, especially those that say, oh, I can't dance. Oh, I, I oh, you know, I love to dance, but I don't I don't do it in public or and I just thought, you know, like dancing is for everyone. Dancing is for everyone. So how can I what can I do to create an environment where I can invite in whoever, however old you are, whatever background you have? Whether you've got two left feet, no left feet, what? I don't know. And so the step touch class has come about through that. And really, it's a full hour where all we do is step touch and we play with different time signatures. So maybe it's slow and it could be a sway, right? Maybe it's it's to the beat. So there's like, you can kind of ride the, the rhythm there. Maybe it's like double time, which I always think of like maniac, you know, like she's a maniac. maniac. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're just like, da, 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 da. and then really the goal is that we have this structure where you step touch, but then you get to choose which time signature you want to be in, in relationship to what's going on in your body at the time. So if you're exhausted and you're like, I'm going to collapse, let me rock a sway. Like, let me take this half time while I grab some water and maybe watch others in the room. And then at the end, we get to abandon it all and you can do whatever you want. But what you will soon see if you come to class, you come and take step touch, is that really anything can be at step touch. Even when you're not thinking about it, the step touch is kind of there. I just love your combination of the way that you put so many things. You're truly eclectic. And I, I love your backstory because it leads me to how you've come to this too. And so I don't see anything in your character that would have been that you would have had a continuation of competitive dance. Carolyn and I have always been in quandary about those two words together. 
we're one of the only cultures in the world that just doesn't dance for the pure joy of dancing. You know, other cultures, somebody has a baby and everybody dances and, you know, nobody says to them, hey, did you have dance class before you start dancing? You know, it's like, so I love that you're, you've got that, you know, freedom that you want to, yeah, everybody can dance. You were born with a body, so you can do it. So the combination that I think is interesting on your bio is that I want to know exactly what somatics is and how it plays out. And of course, you have Pilates, you have many levels, improvisation, divination, okay, tarot, I love it. I want to dance to tarot cards. I read those, so I don't have to dance to them. But anyway, how do you put all that together, Anne-Marie? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, where do I start? Jeez. <laughs> so somatics, soma, of the body. I'm teaching a workshop at the Pearl, Intro to Dance Improvisation, where it's really about finding your own body's natural way of moving in the world. And went to school for that, was in school in an environment where that was really cultivated. And what was interesting to me was looking at the patterns that continued to come up in my body and in the ways that I preferred to move. And then being curious about where did these patterns come from? Are they mine? Did I inherit them? Were they because of the environment that I was in? And what can those patterns tell me? Are they messages? Can they be messages for me to look at? And so for me, I, I love the word somatic of the body because I really feel that the body is this endless form of wisdom that we can tap into in these different ways to help us understand like the ways that we move through life and maybe even like the ways that our experiences have housed up in our body whether that's been through a really impactful or traumatic experience. And how can we then use dance or movement to help free ourselves from those impactful experiences that actually tend to wreak havoc on us more than they can free us? So I was supposed to go to grad school for somatic psychology a year ago, and I ended up, life happened, I was catapulted yep. home, but I still find that I'm in that environment. I'm kind of in my own schooling for it. And so I, I use the tarot to help me understand like what's going on in my body and what's going on with what I'm feeling when it comes to how I move through the world or how I engage with other people. What a great um, body, mind, spirit connection there. <laughs> well, I'm going to take that introduction to dance improv class. And I see I'm looking on the schedule. So that's March 10th. It's just a one shot workshop. If anybody wants to take, and you should after all of this, classes with Anne-Marie, you can look up on the website of The Pearl. She's doing all kinds of just special workshops just to get in the game and see what's happening with that. So before we have to go, I want to just know, so you were in Philly, Chicago, New York, and then you came back here. How do you feel about returning home? And it sounds like you've had a pretty vivid and exciting career. Wow. Yeah, I was in, I went to school in Philly. I lived there for three years after I moved to New York, kind of started over again for three years, teaching, performing, dancing professionally. Went to Chicago, was there for three years, mostly teaching and really diving into my divination work there. And then life happened and where I thought I was going to be going was not the path. Because of that, I ended up getting my favorite word, I guess, is catapulted back oh, home. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> to my family. And it's funny, I 
I was asking when I came home and, you know, I was thinking, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here now? Like, can you show me a sign? You know, well, then, of course, I crashed my car. So I'm immobile, right? I'm, I'm now here. Everything was okay. But the signs started coming out of the woodwork left and right, where it was clear to me that I'm supposed to be here. And when I think about the 14 years that I've been gone, you know, there was always this like romantic idea that I would move back home and be with my family finally and live with my grandparents and live with my siblings and get to make art and work with my siblings again. It felt like this far off dream. And even though the circumstances weren't ideal, I find myself in a place where, wow, look how much effort you put into these 14 years of figuring out how, where your role is within dance and why does this not feel right? But you know, there's aspects of this that feel so right. And let me put together all these different versions that I can offer of, of classes and workshops. How can I offer that to the world? How do I hold space for people to be able to come in however vulnerable they're feeling in that moment? Like, how can I hold space for them to feel seen and welcomed into this environment? How can you know, like there was just so much like effort, it feels like over these past 14 years of just trying so hard to make this career feel like it's, you know, I'm doing it. Am I doing it yet? Am I doing it yet? And then I get catapulted home and then suddenly it's come with such ease. You know, Heather Jefferson, she's amazing. She runs the movement classes at the Pearl. She remembered me from going to school with her daughters. And a friend of mine from high school helped me get a job at a nonprofit uh, success and style at Savage Mill. It's like they came from conversations. And then I, I can come to Heather and say, hey, I really want to offer this workshop. And she's like, great. You know, there's not the like effort of how can I put this together and where can I do it? And how do I get people to come and how like, oh, you know, sometimes. It just, it feels like I'm at the right place at the right time right now. And it really, I think, just shows, again, it's like a lesson of like, wow, the solutions can come to me rather than me constantly with my shovel, like dig, dig, dig yep, yep, to find exactly. those things. You know? Yep, because the ones that come with ease are the ones that are meant to be, but it's a lesson. And so you just made a full circle in our show. And of course, we could talk to you forever. And I think we're just about out of time, but you did make a full circle because you still did the theme of a chorus line. You're still doing it, what you did for love. And now you're exchanging the love in your work. It's a beautiful thing to see how you've shifted and how, again, when you allow, it comes with ease. And um, you are a beautiful soul and spirit. And I love being with you on the dance floor and beyond. Please check out the schedule at the Pearl to find out more about some because she's going to be all over the place. I know classes. Anne Marie, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Shout out to Leela Dawson. She is already suiting up, getting into her role over at Toby's. And we did want to give a shout out real quick to our very dear Liz Higgins. And she's the chair of the dance department at HCC. And her beautiful collaborative work is something you must experience. You just have to see it because she takes dance and genres of many kinds, <laughs> combines it with social justice and themes of today, and really says something to the audience. 
and it's a beautiful thing. And you know, Liz, I know how it goes. You got to play Can You Top This with yourself every concert. And darn if you don't do that. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate your uh, support and your confidence in me. <laughs> and I'm really excited about the show we have coming up. We're in the process of bringing it home. And our performances are going to take place on March 15th and 16th at 7 p.m. And March 17th at 3 p.m. in our beautiful Smith Theater in the Horowitz Center. So I hope everyone can come join us and see some amazing dance from a multitude of different choreographers. Uh, we also have our amazing Ricky Jefferson, the music coordinator for our dance program, who's done some music composition for some of the pieces and sound engineering and my colleague, Alex Krebs, is the assistant director who has been on our faculty for several years as an adjunct instructor, and she's an alumni of HCC, so that makes us very oh, proud. we love her. Yes. Me too. And she has a piece on the concert about video games, which is very fun. Uh, it's going to involve some interesting lighting and projections from Haley LaRoe, who's serving as both our lighting and projection designer. Um, and some of the other choreographers you're going to see on the program are Orange Grove, which is a Baltimore-based professional dance company. And the artistic directors, Colette and Matt, uh, have set a new work on our students that really plays with light and darkness and embodying the shadows and, and the spaces between. We also have our lovely full-time faculty member, Darian Smith who's created a jazz piece, hearkening back to his roots in jazz dance. I have actually done a piece, a new work, that delves into themes uh, surrounding addiction, which I, I feel is, is one of the pressing issues that we face in our culture today. And a lot of the emotions and responses to the problem of addiction. We have Aminia Houston, who is one of the directors over at B-Funk Dance Studio in Ellicott City. And she is joining us with a hip hop piece that's quite lovely. It's not just hip hop vocabulary. It also combines and integrates a bit of contemporary movement. And then rounding out our program is... Oh, I think that I covered is quite everybody. a collaborative team that you've just Thank you. Yes, right I, I think I've covered all of our people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my program. I was like, wait, I think that's everyone. Yeah, and we're actually playing with something new uh, where we're going to have these transitions between the pieces that are based in light, sound, and projection. So there won't necessarily be choreography going on, but we will kind of create a world while the audience is maybe glancing at their program and sort of processing what they saw and taking us into the next world. Well, again, I just am always amazed at how you do kick it up each time and how you cleverly combine the tech as you do to create surreal surroundings and, you know, kind of take us to another world. And, and then still at the same time, speak to us through dance about the world we're in. And, you know, you're so current and it, it just keeps everybody coming back and wanting more. And uh, again, I tell everyone, if you haven't seen a dance concert at HCC, well, you're missing out. So Liz, thanks so much for joining us here on Razzle Dazzle Radio. 
please check it out. It's March 15th, March 16th with a matinee performance on the 17th. Is that correct, Liz? Perfect. Run on over. Don't walk. Run on and get those tickets and look forward to seeing you at the concert and beyond. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Liz. So I guess, Carolyn, you know, in the name of love, what we did for love, here we are on Razzle Dazzle. And so until the next time, and we will always continue to talk about what we did for love. Join us. Thank you to Dragon Podcast and HCC for your continued partnership. Don't forget to check out previous episodes at Razzle Dazzle with Carolyn and I. So until next time, it's me, Judy Templeton, co-host Carolyn Kellerman. It's Razzle Dazzle Radio.